Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. Thank you, Chuck. It's good to be here with uh, City Light West Council Bluffs family. Uh, this is the enjoyable part of my ministry is when I get to come out and be with congregations like yourself, churches that are reaching this part of Council Bluffs with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So thank you uh, for Chuck and Kinnon and your team and your brides. Uh, again, thanks for walking this road and hearing the call of God and for those of you who are serving, I love when I hear about work days and service teams and how can we be involved in the kingdom work here in this part of the city. Uh, it is a, a joy to come and thanks for the invite uh, to come and preach. Uh, a lot of times I come and they say, well, share about the, 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 what's happening around the district with church planting and other things going on. And every now and then they'll say, well, we'll let you open up the word of God and preach. So thank you for giving up the pulpit. I know it's a bit of a risk for you to, to do that. So I appreciate that. Uh, very much, and it is good to be here. Um, as uh, and quite often, I've got like ten canned sermons because I travel all over. There's Sixty-five churches every weekend. I'm in a different church, and I may tweak it a little bit. But they said, "Hey, we want you to preach out of Matthew 27," and it's like so. I have to actually go back and dig into the Word again, and and it was really fun. Thank you for that. It's been a while since I've done that, so it's, it's delightful to preach out of this and to fit into this Easter series as we move toward Easter and the resurrection. What a great time for us as believers, right? As followers of Jesus to celebrate the empty tomb. It is empty. He is sitting at the right hand of God. His work has been completed, and we get to work and, and live in that freedom. So it's good, good to be here this morning. As I was thinking of this story that Chuck read, and I'm going to read it again here in a moment, about Barabbas, it's, uh, the thing that came to mind is when we're confronted with Jesus, when Jesus is presented to us, we cannot remain neutral. Would you agree? Yeah. There are some things in life that we don't really make a decision. I, this is also a Girl Scout cookie season. I'm, I'm a Thin Mint guy. My cookie of choice is Thin Mints. Do you have a cookie of choice? These s'mores, right? Or the, the, the Samoas, they're now called Caramel Delight. But yeah, I guess Caramel Delight in my family, it's Caramel Delight. I'm the Thin Mint guy. So this box is all for me. Uh, and it doesn't really matter where you land. You could, you could like Caramel Delights. I don't really care. Uh, there's a lot of decisions in life. My wife loves... Uh, avocados and guacamole, and I can take it or leave it. It's not a big deal to me, but I can be neutral on that. There's some things. I live in Nebraska. I'm preaching in Iowa, so I can stand up to you and say, I really don't care about the Huskers. I'm neutral with that. I, it doesn't really matter to me. Now, I could never stand up in a, I would lose all my witness power if I stood up in a Nebraska church and said, I really don't care about the Huskers. Lots of decisions in life, it doesn't really matter where you land. With Jesus, it matters where you land. Are you for Jesus or are you against Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is a risen Savior or do you deny that? I grew up in a church for 25 years 
I heard the gospel dozens and dozens of times. But it wasn't until I was 25, and my wife and I were, I was in the Air Force for 20 years, and we were at Pease Air Force Base outside of Boston, and I was in the living room of a man named Robin, and Robin had leukemia. His wife was pregnant with her second child, and Robin shared that evening about the love of Jesus Christ in the midst of his circumstances and the trust he had on God. My wife and I happened to be staying with them. I think that was planned, certainly by God, but I think also by the people that we were with. And my wife and I got back to our bedroom that evening and said, you know, we've been on this fence for 25 years. We've been neutral about Jesus. And I said, tonight we have to make a decision. Either we jump into the kingdom and say yes to Jesus, surrender and bend our knee to Jesus, or we say, no, thank you, and walk away. We cannot continue to live this life where we're in neutral about Jesus Christ. This story, as I read this and as Chuck read it, is about players and people that are involved in the story of God's work through Jesus, some of them have to make a decision in this story, either yes to Jesus or no. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. What happens when people are confronted with Jesus? There is no neutrality. People can't say, well, I guess he's okay, or I'll take or leave him. No, either take him or you leave him. There's no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. So we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 27. If you've got your Bible there, if you've got your device open on up, I'm going to begin reading at verse 11. And I'm just going to read those first three verses as an intro, and then we'll jump into it. Um, thanks for the worship this morning. Uh, that was great. You know, I, I was just, I, I could have written down all those verses, because they just fit so beautifully into the Easter story, don't they? Uh, that Jesus came to redeem the world. He did, he did not despise the cross. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. By his blood, the chains are broken. And who can stop the Lord Almighty? Let's look at these verses here. Meanwhile, verse 11, chapter 27. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? If you remember, Jesus had been arrested, betrayed by Judas, arrested in the garden, taken before the Sanhedrin, and uh, he was beaten by them and then taken to Pilate. And in the meantime, Peter denied him three times, and now he's standing before Pilate. Why is he up before Pilate? Because the Jews, the Jewish leaders, could not kill him. Pilate can't. The Jewish leader had no power to condemn anyone to death, but the governor of the Roman Empire could, and this uh, Pilate works for Rome, and Pilate, if Jesus is proven to be an insurrectionist, Pilate could condemn him to death. So that's why they took him to Pilate. They wanted him dead. They just didn't want him tried. They knew the outcome that he wanted. They wanted for Jesus. So Jesus, Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Verse 12, when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Pilate here is amazed. He says, don't you hear the testimony that chief priests and the Jewish elders are bringing against you, yet Jesus mounts no defense. Jesus knows that Pilate has the power to kill him or to save him, yet he says nothing. 
Do you remember earlier in the garden when Jesus was arrested? One of his companions took out the sword, and what did he do? Cut the ear off of one of those that were arresting him. And what did Jesus say? Yeah, more swords. What did he say? Put the sword away. He said, do you not think that I cannot call on my father and he will give me at once, put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Jesus knew in order for him to break the chains, in order for you and I to experience the freedom we had today, he, had, he could not despise the cross. He must go to the cross. He must fulfill the will of his father. He was fulfilling God's plan, God's story that was laid out from, uh, from, from time when, when time began. Restoration of the relationship between man and God and the gospel message is that reconciliation. Jesus is the way, truth, and life. The only way and truth of life to be reconciled back to the Father. Agree? So Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament. Turn with me back to Isaiah chapter 53. Familiar verse for many of us as we look at the prophetic word that points to Jesus. Isaiah 53. Listen to what Isaiah says about the Messiah, about the Savior to come. Verse 3 in chapter 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows, and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Later on it says, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter of the sheep before his shears are silent. He did not open his mouth. So we see here in chapter 27 the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the fulfillment of God's plan for redeeming his people back into a right relationship with himself. And it had to come through the perfect sacrifice of a lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the perfect man. Jesus was on a mission from God to continue God's story. He had to go to the cross. It had to happen this way. And for you and I, we resonate with Isaiah. We all like sheep have gone astray. Have we not? We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all past, present, future, laid on Jesus. Jesus went to the cross for you and I that we might enjoy the life we enjoy now, right relationship with the Father. Matthew chapter 27, going back to Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. We're going to look at uh, three key players in this drama that, that Chuck read, verses 15 through 18. So Jesus is silent. He's not going to defend himself. And we pick it up in verse 15. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast, the Passover feast, to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over. Three players here. Jesus has already been introduced. 
Jesus accused of blasphemy by the Sanhedrin and the Jewish elders and the chief priests, and now has been accused of insurrection against the Roman government. That's why he's in front of Pilate. Second player is Pilate, the, uh, the Roman governor in Jerusalem. And he very quickly recognizes when Jesus brought before him that it's out of envy that Jesus is there. He's not quick to judge. There is no summary condemnation of Jesus. He just wanted to flog him and release him. Well, how about if I flog him and release Jesus? And the chief priests say, no, we want you to be, try him for insurrection. See, I think Pilate had a conscience. He wanted to deal justly with Jesus. But we also know from history, if you read the historians of the day, that there had been many insurrections in Jerusalem under Pilate's uh, administration. And Pilate could not afford one more insurrection. He's stuck. He's got to do something with Jesus. One more insurrection, the crowd's gathering. If he has one more, then he could be sent back to Rome to be punished himself and lose his position. So he's in a bit of a bind. Then he has an aha moment. Have you ever had an aha moment? Going, oh, I know a way out. It's my custom on Passover to release a prisoner. And I present the prisoner before the crowd, and they vote. It's a vote of the crowd, yay or nay. And he has this notorious prisoner named Barabbas. And I think Pilate's thinking, surely they're going to release Jesus, right? I'm going to present them Jesus, this man who claims to be king of the Jews, but he's really done nothing. And Barabbas, who everybody knows is a notorious criminal, a murderer, uh, a robber. He has, he has caused so much trouble here. They'll certainly release Jesus and not Barabbas. The third player here is Barabbas. Don't have much to say about him. We don't know what happened to him. He, all we know is he was notorious. The one thing Pilate didn't factor in when he chose Barabbas is that the Jewish leaders had nothing against Barabbas. Barabbas was no threat to them. To the Jews, Barabbas was nothing. Jesus was the troublemaker. Jesus was the threat. Verse 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Enters enter Pilate's wife, the fourth person in this drama. Pilate sitting on the judge's seat. When he's sitting on this judgment seat, he can make a judgment innocent, guilty on Jesus. Now he's presented the crowd an option, Barabbas or Jesus, and he will make the judgment. He's sitting on the judgment seat. And his wife says, he has have nothing to do with Jesus because what? Because he is a what kind of a man, does it say? A righteous man. And he says, innocent, but that's, it's really righteous. Oh, did she know the truth? Was Jesus righteous? He was the only righteous man, perfectly righteous man. He had to be righteous in order to be the perfect sacrifice for you and I. This woman knew Jesus through a dream. Through a dream, and she sends word, have nothing to do with this Righteous man had great trouble because of him. What makes Jesus a perfect sacrifice? Not his innocence, but his holiness, his righteousness, his perfection, to die as a ransom to set us free. For Pilate's right, there was an urgency here. 
See, when Pilate's wife was faced with the truth of Jesus face-to-face, there is no neutrality. She couldn't say, ah, I'll just forget about it. When we're presented with Jesus, we just can't forget about it. We either say yes or no. And she recognized the righteousness of Jesus through a dream. Isn't that cool? And she says, have nothing to do with it. Pilate's wife could not ignore Jesus. Have nothing to do with him. The last two players, verses 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. What was he expecting? Jesus. We don't want you to release Barabbas, that notorious criminal. But they'd worked their gossip. They'd worked through the crowd, and they yell out, Barabbas. What shall I do then with Jesus, who called the Christ, Pilate asked. They answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, said Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was going nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered. Listen to their response. All the people answered. Let his blood be on us and on our children. Well, I don't think they understood what they were saying. The blood of Jesus. Let it be on us and on our children. Then Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed over them to be crucified. The last two players in this, you've got Jesus, you've got Pilate, you've got Barabbas, you've got Pilate's wife, and then you've got the chief priests and the elders. Uh, Jesus has only been, by my calculations, in Jerusalem five days since he had the, the triumphal entry. Five days. And in those five days, three times in the gospel accounts, we read that the, 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 uh, um, the Pharisees had tried to kill him. The Jewish leaders had tried to kill Jesus three times. But they couldn't. You remember why? Why couldn't they touch him? Because of the crowd. Because of the people that were following him. They were afraid of the crowd because the crowd loved this prophet and they hung on every word of the prophet. For the chief priests, Jesus threatened their positions as religious leaders. They were certainly envious and this envy had turned into a root of hatred and they realized either Jesus is destroyed or they would be destroyed. Again, with the chief priests, there is no neutrality, is there? With them, with Jesus, it's either yes to Jesus, he is the Messiah, or no, he is, a, he is an imposter. And what did they choose? He said no. When confronted with Jesus, the Pharisees had to decide yes or no, and they chose no. He's not who he says he is. He cannot be the Son of God. He is not the one who God created the universe. He is not the sustainer of all things. He is not the Savior of the world. He cannot be the Messiah. So the Jewish leaders could not just put up with this prophet. They had to kill him. And again, like Pilate's wife, with Jesus there is no neutrality. Then the people of Jerusalem, perhaps the most confusing player in this, right? Five days earlier, what were they crying out when he entered the, you remember? Hosanna! Hosanna! What does Hosanna mean? Savior, saves. Here's our Savior. 
Five days earlier, that's what they're crying, laying out the palm branches, putting their cloaks on the ground so the, the colt that he was riding could walk on them. The crowd did a 180-degree turn from fearing the crowd. The Jewish leaders now turned the crowd against Jesus. You see, I think the crowd loved Jesus when he was teaching in the temple courts. The crowd loved Jesus when he was doing his miracles, feeding the 5,000. The crowd loved Jesus when he was teaching them and confronting the Pharisees with their hypocrisy. They loved Jesus. Now Jesus is bound, being charged with insurrection by not just the Jews, but by the Roman government as well being presented as an insurrectionist. And he's a threat to all the Jews. See, I think for them and for you and I, following Jesus for this crowd just became real. Oh, am I willing to stand up here in this crowd and go, how many of them want to step and cry, start crying Hosanna again? Did anybody? We don't read that. We hear them crying, crucify instead of Hosanna. Neutrality is impossible when presented with Jesus. And here when they're presented with Jesus on the stand being, being tried, it is now uh, time for them to take a stand. And they don't. They took a stand with the Jewish elders. They cannot simply walk away without making a decision. Hosanna or crucify, they chose crucify. What would have been the cost of praising Jesus in that crowd? Can you imagine? Standing up? Maybe getting up on some elevation, starting crying out Hosanna? Two lessons for us today. Can I have, do we have uh, slides up? Do we have any slides or are they not? Maybe. All right. That, those aren't coming through real well, so we'll just ignore that. Um, two lessons for you and I when we're faced with Jesus. Uh, number one, uh, like Barabbas, you and I are guilty of death. Have we behaved badly in our past? We are like Barabbas, notorious, are we not, with our sin? For 25 years, I was notorious, like Barabbas bound by chains. My sin separated me from the Father. There's nothing I could do to break the chains and set myself free. I grew up in a church where I tried to be good. I tried to do the right thing. Works were all that, was, all that really mattered. I would be judged someday for my works, not for my standing with Jesus. Jesus was sort of a side note. Yeah, I knew that he died for my sins, but I had to be good enough to be acceptable to God. Two lessons for you. Number one, God had a plan. The perfect atoning sacrifice for Barabbas and for you and me was the Lamb of God. Sit, God, like Pilate, sits on the judgment seat and he's a judge. And he judges you and I based on the righteousness of us or of Jesus. Jesus. He looks at you and I and he judges you and I based on the righteousness of Jesus and whether or not we have surrendered ourselves to the Son of God. The righteous for the unrighteous. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous, him, for the unrighteous, me, to bring me to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. You see, in the presence of the Holy One of God, 
Sin is forced to show itself in all of its blackness. When we're confronted with Jesus, sin becomes so evident. That happened to me in 1980, 25 years old. Now you're all thinking, okay, how old is this guy, right? 65. Take that. You don't have to, I don't want to lose you here. When I was 25, that sin became so evident to me that I had to bow a knee to Jesus or walk away. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. If you are here this morning or seeking answers, maybe like me, you've been in church your whole life. You've heard the gospel dozens of times, but you've never been to need to Jesus. Today is the day. Today is the day to surrender. When you're confronted with Jesus, you cannot say, I'm going to remain neutral. I'll take him or leave him. You can't do that. Either take him or you leave him. And I pray this morning, if there's anybody here again, that has never surrendered a bent knee to Jesus, to his salvation and to the lordship of Jesus, today would be that day. If you're on the fence, know that Jesus, with Jesus there is no, no neutrality. We're going to take communion in a little bit. And today as we prepare our house for the celebration of Easter, consider Barabbas. I don't know what happened to that man after he was set free. I don't know how much he even considered Jesus after he was set free. I do pray that he bent a knee to Jesus, don't you? I, I do pray that at some point he looked back and go, what just happened? I do pray he heard the story of the empty tomb. I do pray that maybe he was among the 3,000, do you think? On Pentecost? Because I would love to sit in a coffee shop with Barabbas in heaven and say, okay, Barabbas, tell me about that day. What was going through your mind? What happened? I'd just like you to spend some time right now. I've got, I still have point number two. See, that's the thing about being a guest speaker. I can just blow through the time and not really matter. Would you just spend some time right now in silent prayer? Just, just consider what Jesus has done for you. Uh, if, if, if you know him as Savior and Lord, right now just thank him for that, would you? Thank him for drawing you to himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. If, if you're on the fence, pray right now. Ask what you do with Jesus. Is it time to take Jesus for your own, or is it time to walk away? I pray it's time to accept him for yourself. Just spend some time in silent prayer, then we'll look at point number two. Just pray, and then I'll close this in a moment. Father, this morning as we uh, consider the gift, consider, Father, that you did not despise the cross. Lord, as we consider your death, your resurrection, the life we have, the chains that are broken, the darkness past, the light that we live in, the kingdom now that we celebrate, Father, we're so grateful. Father, if there is someone here today that has never bent a knee to you, that has never surrendered to you, that has never accepted this gift of life, Lord, today would be the day. I pray that they would uh, talk to whoever they're with today, that they would talk to one of the pastors or, or leaders here. Father, that, that today would be the day of salvation for them.
pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I did have a Psalm 32. I'm just going to read part of the Psalm 32. I love this Psalm. And again, just hear it. Not yet, Kenan. Well, you're going to turn. Kenan's going to come up here at the end. I keep teasing him. Come on up. Um, Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Do we have it? Oh. Uh, yeah. I think we can. Would you guys stand? We're going to read this together. I think we can get through it. If, if, if the word is gone, just say banana and we'll keep pressing on. Okay, it's, there's two slides, I think, here. Uh, blessed is the one, would you read with me? Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit, there is no deceit. <laughs> For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly Offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. That's good. Thank you. you may be seated. I pray that that's the cry of your heart this morning. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Last point uh, this morning. Um, it's tempting for you and I to look at the crowd and be quick to judge them for their silence and inaction. In, in uh, to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and become his disciple is costly. To have aligned with Jesus at the moment when they're crying crucify may have cost them their very lives, certainly a beating, certainly rejection from the, the temple worship, losing your job or facing persecution. And again, it made me sit and wonder how many of those who were crying crucify him were seven weeks later uh, the ones that were coming to know him at Pentecost. 3,000 in one day, right? Remember that? The Holy Spirit comes down in Acts chapter 2 on the 120 praying in the upper room and men and women go out and they begin speaking in languages and 3,000 were baptized that day. Within a few weeks, 5,000. The church exploded. There's a revival and, and I wonder how many of those crying crucify, crucify sat before the teaching of Peter. When Peter said, pleaded with them, they've repented, be baptized and then they cried out, what shall we do? You see, there's no neutrality with Jesus. When confronted with the gospel, when Peter shared the gospel with them, they cried out, instead of crying, Hosanna, or crucified, they say, what shall we do? And he said, repent. Confess. Take Jesus as Savior. And let's get baptized and get on with the work of God. How many people responded? How many people respond because they remembered what they'd done? I don't know how many, as a pastor, how many people came into me and said, Rob, if you only knew what I'd done in my past, I could never be acceptable to Jesus. Oh, it breaks my heart. Why? Because I'm convinced the very people that are crying, crying, crucify him, crucify him, were the ones who were saying, what do we do? And Peter said, uh, if you cried crucify, you're not welcome. Did he say that? No, arms open wide. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Rob, I've, I have sinned. I have neglected 
my walk with Jesus, Jesus said, come on, let's go. I'm with you, I died for you. For you this morning before we leave here, and then, now I'm getting close. How many people in your sphere of influence have heard the gospel and said no? Do we stop? No, whether it's family or friends or coworkers or students, and you've shared the gospel with them through life and through word, and they said, no, we keep on. We keep pressing on. We keep sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Finally, in, 1920, in, in 1980, Robin shared the good news with me for, I don't know, the 54th time. I don't know how many times I'd heard the gospel. And I go, oh, Holy Spirit began working in my heart, and I surrendered. Three things I'm asking for you today this, to do. Uh, be in the Word of God. Meditate on the truth. This keeps us aligned with who he is and what he's done for us, and we remember this amazing gift that we have. So, time in the Word. I see a reading plan on that back table back there. Pick one of those up. Read every day. Trust me, you can find time to read the Word every day. You can. It's important. Daily, t- take time to listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is desiring to speak to you if he can get a word in edgewise. I'm so busy telling him all the things I need, I-, I-, I forget to listen. Can you listen to the Holy Spirit this week? Who does he want you to talk to? Where is he opening a door for you to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Anybody here know lost people that need Jesus? I trust we all do. Let's start praying for them and listen to the Holy Spirit for opportunities. Lastly, know your testimony, know your story. The world is a mess. We're not. You have a story of salvation. You have a testimony of grace. When was the last time you shared it? Could you share it? I'm just telling you, if there's one thing we can do this week is share your testimony with somebody who who needs to hear Jesus, because I'll guarantee you, you share your testimony, your story of Jesus, they're not going to say, Rob, I don't believe that. It's my story. I can share the gospel, and they're going to say, I don't believe it, and that's fine. They've rejected Jesus. I'll keep hammering at it. But the testimony, they cannot say, I don't believe that. That's your story. Each one of you has a story. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, practice on one another. Share it with one another that you might share with the lost. Let me pray for us as we leave. Father, thank you for the story of Barabbas. Lord, I thank you for uh, Jesus, that he did not despise the cross. Father, I thank you that when uh, people hear the name Jesus and the story of Jesus, they cannot ignore him. They either say yes or they say no. Father, for us as believers, as your sons and daughters, as Chuck reminded us this morning, uh, Lord, I pray that we would be just strong witnesses. We want the church to grow. We want revival, Father, and you just need to reveal to us what our role is. So, Lord, I pray that we'd listen to the Holy Spirit. We'd spend time in your word. And, Father, most of all, Lord, that we would share our testimony with those around us who desperately need, need hope. Lord, the world is a mess. You have an answer, and we know what it is. Pray it on the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.